Hey, before we start this week's show, we need to tell you about the NPR One app. It's kind of like a port key that you touch and gets you away from our show to uh, any one of NPR's other offerings. It's a parachute for your ears. You can escape this place and land safely on, say, uh, Invisibilia. The second season just launched now. NPR would prefer you listen to that, and we can't blame them. Uh, That and more on the NPR One app. It's on your app store now. Hey, Leah, what can we help you with? So, I have been kind of going on dates with guys, and I recently went on a date with this guy who was pretty much what I was looking for. He has a good job. He's super nice, super friendly. But it I didn't think this would bother me, but after our first date, I just could not get over it. He has the same name as my brother. <laughs> what is your brother slash date's name? Uh, Ryan. But then when you say it out loud, it just gets, it feels like gross. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't like it. Have you talked to either your brother or your, what should we call the boyfriend? Is, uh, it seems too soon for that. Uh, yeah, no, just like a date. Okay. Date is fine. I, I told my brother, because my brother and I are really close, and my brother thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and all he did was laugh and say, that sucks, dude. Yeah. And he goes, I'm glad I'm ruining your life without even doing anything. Mm. Kind of a great prank by a brother. Exactly. It's like you planned it. Mm-hmm. So where where are things at with date Ryan? Date Ryan, it's like right at the stage where I got to make a decision. I mean, if this bothers me this much, I need to make up an excuse as to why I don't want to go on a second date. But I'm like, I'm down the middle 50-50 about it. Does Ryan have any nicknames? Um, no. I mean, I was relieved because he he didn't call me by my name. He kept calling me things like sweetheart and like babe, which I normally would have been totally weirded out by. Mm-hmm. But because of this situation, I was relieved by it. And I was like, yeah, let's go with those names. Those are good. <laughs> yeah. But but then I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, if like knowing my luck, if this actually worked out, I just all I can imagine is you know, getting married and then saying, like, his name and then looking back at my brother and just making eye contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I wonder, is there anything about date Ryan that lends itself to a nickname? Is he left-handed? Is he tall and thin? He's a chef. Okay. Chef. Cookie. Cookie. <laughs> That's cute. You want to try it out? Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Just try it out. Actually, see. wait. You know what? I know what it, I know it better. He has a tattoo of an avocado, wait. and there's other vegetables on his arm. I just the the only one that is, I've noticed is the avocado, and it's like my favorite thing. Uh huh. So what do you? An avocado is weird enough to mm-hmm. where, like, if you were at the grocery store, I could be like, "Yo, avocado," and he would know it was only him. Yeah. Whereas cookie could be easily mistaken as a couple people. Avocado. Two for short. I think that's pretty good. That's good, yeah. Hey, Kato. It's Leah. (laughs) How does that feel? Try it out. Kato. Hey, Kato. Kato. How have you been? It it sounds... I don't know if it fits him. What do you think we should do here, Leah? Do you think we should call Ryan up later on and try out one of these nicknames and see what works? Yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe... Yeah, I'll, I'll see how he responds. I think no matter what, we are going to learn if this relationship 
has staying power by putting this on the spot. All right, I think it'll be interesting at the very least. All right, so, you know, before we call Ryan, we should prepare some nicknames, I think. Yeah, so this is um, Date Ryan. We know he's a chef. What about Privates? Like Saving Private Ryan? Just call him Privates, though. Private Ryan? Yeah. He lives, right? Pastrami on. Pastrami. Pastrami on. Strami. Strami. Uh, We also know he has the avocado. He has an avocado tattoo. Dwayne the Guac Johnson. Or just Dwayne. Yeah, just Dwayne. What about just Brian? Seems like a simple solution. You know, when you rename yes. a dog, yes. that you, when you yes. you know when you rescue a dog, you want it to sound like it, so he'll still mm-hmm. uh, respond to your calls. I think Brian would work. Also, Brian. One new message. Hey guys, it's Leah calling back. Um, so I know our plan was to have me call Date Ryan, get him on the phone, and, you know, talk about our idea. Um, But I kind of was like, oh, yeah, you should come over to my place because, you know, it'll sound better on a landline, blah, blah, blah. And after kind of a lot of pushing, he was basically just, he basically just said, you know, I I can't come over at all because I'm on house arrest, (laughs) which is not what I expected at all. So I think... I think you guys have unintentionally answered my question. You should never date a guy with the same name as your brother because he's probably on house arrest for something weird. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess that answers our question. We no longer have to deal with cookie or avocado or anything. But, yeah, so thanks for the help, guys. Uh, Problem solved. (laughs) Well, that was a... Ultimately, a lot of wasted effort on our part. Uh, sorry about that, Leah. If you out there listening would like uh, us to call you either Dwayne the Guac Johnson or Brian, uh, those nicknames are now up for grabs. Now it's the part of our show where we traditionally tell you about our sponsors. And this week is no different. This week it's Oso, a new mattress company that wants you to sleep well so you can live well. Being healthy is about more than just exercising and eating well. It's about getting a good night of sleep and staying out of prison, Brian. Each Oso mattress offers two comfort options to suit individual sleeping needs. Simply rotate the mattress for firm or soft. Ryan, if I may, uh, Leah, a young woman like Leah doesn't come along every day. Certainly not if you're under house arrest. Shipping is free, and with Oso's 101-night promise, you can try it risk-free. The promo code EVERYTHING will provide $50 off your purchase. Learn more at ososleep.com. And also this week, we want to tell you about Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping can seem like a no-win situation. Trips to the post office are time-consuming, and leasing a postage meter is expensive. There's a better way, Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer. Sign up for Stamps.com for a special offer, a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter everything. Hey, Ivan, what can we help you with? Well, so my my question is, um, when a bee stings you, we know that it's going to die, 
but does the bee know that it will die also? That, yeah. that is a fascinating question. And I guess the, the next question is, if, if it knows, you know, is that the choice it's making? Is it, has it decided that the sacrifice is worth it? Because it's the ultimate sacrifice. And thinking through it, if I'm the bee, oh boy, I'm, I'm going to wimp out, right? I'm not going to give up my, my life just to, uh, just to yeah. irritate somebody's forearm. And also, you know, I, I, it's probably, it, it could end up being a morality question for the bee. Do I want my final act of life to be hurting someone? Yeah. I just can't imagine that any bee hates me that much that it would sacrifice its, its life just to make me feel pain. Yeah, and is their brain sophisticated enough to, uh, to put that together? When did you first start thinking about this question? So I saw this National Geographic picture where there's a bee that is, uh, is mid-sting in someone's arm, and then it's flying away, and you see their, their stinger and their abdomen stretched out, maybe two or three body lengths of the bee. And I just thought, oh, no, does the bee know what's coming next? Because it, it's not going to end well for the bee. Yeah. I mean, did it have its affairs in order, you think? Yeah, estate planning should come into it, yeah. Well, I, I think this is a, a great question with, uh, you know, biological, philosophical, and moral implications, and we are going to attempt to get to the bottom of it for you. Thanks a lot, Ivan. All right, guys, take care. All right, I think we have somebody on the line who can help us. Uh, Tom Seeley uh, studies bees at Cornell. So, Tom, do bees know they're going to die when they sting you? Oh, I doubt the bee knows that it'll die. I don't think bees even have a sense of the future. So, really? Yeah. Okay. That, that's a pretty sophisticated cognitive skill to be able to think about the future, to, to anticipate things. I don't think bees have that. It would, I mean, I think it would, it might change the way we feel about bees. You know, if uh, we did kind of imagine that inner life where they they knew the sacrifice they were making, but they were making that sacrifice, you know, for the the hive. Yeah, that would be, um, you would have more compassion, more sympathy with the bee's situation of having to th- throw her life away or sacrifice her life in defense of the colony. So you're saying she, so is it always a, is it always a she that's stinging me? Yes, only the workers have stings. A sting is a modified egg-laying tube, and so only the females bear stings. Oh, wow, okay. And all worker bees are, are females. Wait, where are the are there any male bees? Where are they? There are male bees, and they are called drones, and they live in the hive. They're very important because without males, you don't have sex, and you, without sex, you don't have reproduction. So, the the and they but they're a small portion of the honeybee colony. They might be at the peak of the summer, maybe five percent of the colony's population. So there could be a few thousand drones in a colony of ten or twenty thousand workers. But the only purpose of men is sex. In the, for Apis mellifera, that, that is correct. Wow. Do you realize, Tom, that you just told us the bees part of the birds and the bees conversation? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you said um, that, you know, if we did imagine that in our life, that then people might feel more compassion towards bees. Do you think... I wonder, as somebody who, you know, spends a great deal of time thinking about bees and considering them, if uh, if it's difficult that, you know, most human beings don't have a lot of 
compassion for the creature that you're passionate about? I, I just treat it as a fact of life that for all of us, unless we know about something, we don't really give it, pay much attention to it or have much thought about it. But in my experience, as soon as people start to learn about honeybees, they become fascinated. Well, do you want to give us some other examples of things that uh, you think would convince us that bees are cool or, or some things that, that excite you? Oh, uh, how many hours do we have here today? <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, one of the things is, is their ability to, um, for one bee to indicate to another bee where to go to find a rich source of food. And this is done with the bee's famous behavior called the waggle dance. This is a little miniaturized reenactment of a bee's flight out to a patch of flowers. And, but she does this in, inside the hive. So it's a, it's, um, it's a representation of the direction to go and the distance to go. And that if you know, as you know, if you go the right direction and the right distance, you end up in the right place. But the remarkable thing is that there are only two species on the whole planet that have that ability to, to be standing in one place and to tell another member of the species, go over there, go in that direction, go in that distance, and you'll find something good. And those two species are honeybees and human beings. So we have a very special connection with honeybees. Wow. Can you translate for us what those movements would look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, the movement is, is one in which a bee is standing on a vertical comb, beeswax comb, and she walks across that comb while waggling her whole body back and forth. And she, as she waggles that body, she's walking forward slowly, stepping forward at a certain angle relative to, to um, straight up. Straight up would represent the direction of the sun. So if she's dancing, if she's waggling, walking straight up while she's doing this waggle motion, she's indicating to others that the, the target she's reporting is in the direction of the sun. And that, and that waggling motion... It can go for a fraction of a second, or it can go for even as much as 10 seconds, and that's how they in- encode the information about distance. If it's a, the more distant the, the flower patch, the longer she does that waggling motion. That's amazing. She can do that a dozen times, or a or hundred times, or even more, depending on how good the, um, the target is that she's advertising. And that way, uh, you, bees, many, many bees can get her message. Are there good bee dancers and bad bee dancers the way there are with with humans? Yeah, there are. I, I would say, well, maybe the most accurate way to say it is there are reluctant bee dancers and there are um, exuberant bee dancers. Some bees going to the same patch of flowers or the same artificial food source, some will be very excited and will dance extensively to advertise that that food source, and others others are. are much more laconic. They don't, they don't do much dancing. And that's a curious fact. It's not one we fully understand. A lot of variation in, for the same food source in the, in the amount of advertising of, the, of that food source. Wait, so do bees just have different temperaments then? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's a really important question, and it's, it's one that people are studying right now. Within a group, it's often really valuable to have variation among individuals. For example, you want in the morning, when the colony's just getting its work organized, its foraging work organized, it's good to have some individuals that are real 
discover if something's available to come back and announce it. But you don't need everybody going out and checking. That would be inefficient. That would burn up a lot of, of energy. You just send out the, a few individuals, the scouts. And so it's good to have some individuals that are really active and, and enterprising in the morning and others that are more reluctant to leave the hive. And so uh, on the whole, it works more efficiently that way. Well, Tom, thank you so much for uh, telling <laughs> us about bees. Okay, you're welcome. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that uh, bees like to dance. And I think about how complicated it is just with, with two legs to learn how to dance. Like you think about those diagrams where it's just the footprints and uh, it shows you the different moves. Imagine if you had six feet. I, th- I think the idea of like that they dance to give each other directions. Yeah. Imagine what BGPS looks like. Oh. They're driving somewhere. And it's just it's just a hot dance video right there on the iPhone. Yeah. In two hundred feet, work it. Yeah, in in two and a half miles, Dougie, Nene, Dougie, Hump Humpty Dance, pencil sharpener thing. How to do everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Jishnu. Jishnu did great work uh, for the show over in Mumbai. Uh, mostly just played uh, video games the whole time. But, but it's uh, very important work. Yeah, that princess is not going to save herself. You can send us your questions. Send them to us at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Whew. This show, at long last, is finally over. We have fulfilled our responsibility to uh, pass the time between Invisibilia promos, and so now it's time for another one. The second season of Invisibilia is out now. It's where you learn about the invisible forces that control human behavior. This week's episode spans from Louisiana to the Soviet Union. Plus, they have a new co-host, Hannah Rosen. You can listen and subscribe to Invisibilia at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app.